Welcome to The Apologist Bookshelf, Gary Zacharias again. I have a book called The Bible Questions by Hal Seed. He is a uh, North San Diego County pastor. I've sat down and talked to him and uh, enjoy his books. They're uh, written for the common person who has a lot of questions. He's got a book on God questions. This one's called The Bible Questions, subtitled Shedding Light on the World's Most Important Book. And uh, John Ortberg says, if you have any questions about the Bible, this is the place to start. Now, notice he doesn't say this is the complete book. And I, I agree with that. It's got good basics, and that's the point. And it's a good way to kind of start. And then, of course, you can get into things far deeper, uh, thanks to so many good professors and all who studied the Bible. And uh, But Hal's book is a good one. I wanted to look at chapter two. How is the Bible different from other books? And I thought he made some really good points. He said, for example, it was the first book to be translated into a foreign language. And that was back in 250 BC. The Old Testament of the Bible was translated from Hebrew, of course, spoken by the Jews, to Greek to influence the people around them. The translation is called the Septuagint, which is still available today. And it was the first true book to be printed in Europe. Remember Gutenberg? It was the first book to be telegraphed. Samuel Morse typed out, uh, tapped out Numbers 23:23. What hath God wrought? And then it's the first book on the moon. Buzz Aldrin pulled out a Bible when they uh, put the lunar lander down and uh, had uh, communion on the moon. Another reason the Bible is different from other books, Hal points out, is that no other book has been as anticipated. And we see that in story after story of the missionaries. They'll come into a village that is desperate to know something about God, and they've been doing some kind of a ritual, or they've had some kind of a myth that they've passed down that has them prepared for the gospel when it shows up in a missionary. So I just have to tell you the story that they mentioned, that Hal mentions here. This is a really good story. It's about a man named Bruce Olson. And when he was 19 years old, he went down into South America and to Colombia, and he just felt like he needed to share the Bible with some Stone Age indigenous people there called the Motolones. By the way, uh, there's a book all about Olson and what he went through from his perspective called Bruchko, because that's what the natives called him. And it's an older book, but I'm sure it's available. It's fascinating. It's such a good book. B-R-U-C-H-K-O, Bruchko. All right, so he shows up among the Motolones, and just the story of how he got there is amazing and the things that he went through. And he spent five years getting to know them. And then he talked to them. And the more he talked to them, he realized they had this tremendous sense of grief and loss. Why? They said they had lost God's trail. and They didn't know how to walk with God. Well, one day a Motolone told Bruce, we hope to find God. He said there's a prediction that a tall man with yellow hair will come with a banana stalk. And God's going to come out of this banana stalk. And Bruce just kind of shook that off, thinking it was just a myth, and uh, he just kind of forgot all about it. And um, let, me, let me skip ahead here to the story here. Okay, so he says, I couldn't really understand why look for God to come out of a banana stalk. And they couldn't figure it out. So one day, one of uh, the favorite Motolones that uh, Bruchko hung out with walked over to a banana tree that was growing nearby, and he cut off a section. He tossed it. He said, well, this is the kind of banana stalk that God can come from. 
And one of the Motolones reached down and swatted that cross-section from the banana stalk with a machete, and it split it in half. One half stood up, and the other half split off, and the leaves that were still inside the stalk, waiting to develop, started peeling off. And as they peeled off and lay there, they looked like pages from a book. And Bruce Olson at that moment said, It's a book. He said, I grabbed up my pack and took out my Bible. I opened it up and I flipped through the pages. Olson says, I held it up to the men. I pointed to these leaves from the banana stalk and then back to the Bible. This is it. I said, I have it here. This is God's banana stalk. And the Motolones embraced what they heard. When you talk about anticipation, that's just one story. Uh, Don Richardson has a book called Eternity in Their Hearts that tells dozens of other wonderful stories about places around the world that were anticipating a message of hope, a message of redemption, of salvation that the Bible offers. So no other book has been so anticipated, Hal says. Another reason uh, that the Bible is different from other books, no other book has been so resisted. It's been burned. It's been banished. Uh, he gives the story of William Tyndale. Tyndale believed, he's back in the early 1500s, and he thought that ordinary English people ought to be able to read the Bible for themselves. Well, when he said that, his life was threatened. He had to hide in Germany and Belgium. He was a, an English person. Had to hide there while completing his work, translating the Bible. And after it was published, it got burned on the streets of London. A bounty was placed on his head. Eventually, they caught him, uh, and he was tried for heresy and was strangled to death. His body was burned. His final words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Well, what else does Hal say makes this book unique? No other book has been so loved. It's the best-selling book of all time, translated in more languages than any other book in history. Uh, no other book makes, makes such supernatural claims. Hal goes on to say the Bible claims to be perfect. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect. It claims to be flawless. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is flawless. It claims to predict the future. And this is one we're going to focus on in just a minute here. Write what will take place later. That's in Revelation 1. So uh, Hal goes to a book called Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy by a man named Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. says that book lists over 1,200 prophecies in the Old Testament and over 500 prophecies in the New Testament. And it says, of course, if any of those were false, that would probably make the whole Bible false, wouldn't it? He says Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies in his first coming. And there was a study done by a mathematician to see how likely it would be that anybody could fulfill all these predictions. He just said this uh, book that he's using, uh, is a, it's a study done by mathematician Peter Stoner. Stoner calculated what if one person could just fulfill eight of these over 300 prophecies. And by figuring out how many people in the world would qualify uh, as a prediction for these prophecies, Stoner came up with the odds of one in, oh man, I don't even know, it's, it's 100, it's, I'll just say 100 zillion. <laughs> uh, here's how you can illustrate. If you filled the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars, they would total that number. So Hal says, imagine you blindfold somebody and you've colored one coin out of the whole state of Texas two feet deep and ask somebody to wander around any place they want in the state of Texas, reach down in that pile of two feet deep silver dollars and pick the one that has the mark on it. That's the chance you have. 
And then he went on, Stoner went on to calculate, well, what would what if somebody fulfilled 48 of these over 300 prophecies? They said the number is so large, it's greater than the number of atoms in the universe. Wow. Hal uh, Seed himself had a book called Future History, and he looked at the fulfillment of prophecies just in one chapter, Daniel 11. He said that one chapter has 135 prophecies that all got fulfilled 200 to 400 years after Daniel recorded them. Wow. Uh, another reason the book, the Bible, is different from other books, no other book makes such significant promises. It promises wisdom. That's Psalm 119.98. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. It promises insight. Psalm 119.99. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. It promises guidance for people who follow it. I bet a lot of us know this one. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. That's Psalm 119 also, verse 105. So the Bible uh, does an amazing job with all of these promises. I would like to add one story here. The Bible changes lives. It's changed so many lives. And I am a witness of that. Um, I used to teach the Bible as literature at my college. And this was a secular school. So I had some Christians in there, and I had some people that were uh, secular students that just thought it'd be an interesting class to take. And uh, there's uh, one guy in the class, I'd had him in a previous class, so he and I got along well, and he said, maybe I'll take your Bible class. And I thought, okay, that's fine. And then I started thinking, in the other class, he was pretty opinionated and kind of uh, bold and brash, and I thought, oh, he's going to step on some toes again here, but okay, I mean, at least he shook things up, kept things interesting. So he got in the class, and uh, we sat there all semester and did a good job, and didn't mouth off as much as I was expecting. And we had a good time, and everybody uh, interacted, and the class was over, and I thought, okay, that's it. And then a few months later, I got an email from him. And he said, I just want to let you know that when I got in your class, I had a lot of terrible things going on in my life. He said, I wasn't very happy with myself. Um, I, I don't know what happened. I didn't ask him, but apparently he got himself into some pretty serious, sinful situations. And he said, he started reading the Bible for the class. Now think about this. You're in a class, you're reading the book, and... Uh, you know, in many cases, you're just doing the reading because the teacher says you got to do the reading. You're not really connected. But the Bible just smacked him up alongside the head. And he said the more he read it, the more he thought about it, the more he realized he was a sinner. He was in trouble uh, with God. He, he was uh, falling far short of God's grace and God's glory. And he said, I need this God. And he became a Christian. And I tell that story not to toot my own horn because it wasn't me. I didn't even know what his situation was. But the Bible has the power to change lives. And he was a good example of that. Okay, well, this is, uh, again, Hal Seed's book, The Bible Questions. And let me just share a few of the questions that he deals with here to give you an idea. And we're going to come back to this book more than once. So I just did the one about how is the Bible different from other books. I also want to do the chapter that he does about who decided what went into the Bible. That's a fascinating bit of history. We'll get to that one. How about this question? How accurate is the Bible? Does the Bible speak to people? Can the Bible make me a better person? What's the central message of the Bible? Why are there so many translations? Why was God so violent in the Old Testament? 
Why is there only one way to heaven? When is Jesus coming back? Where can you find Trinity in the Bible? And then he's got a section at the end there called practical questions, like how do you study the Bible? How do you find its meaning? How can I apply what I learn? How can I master the Bible? And what I like here in every chapter is at the end of the chapter, he has an assignment. So, for example, in one chapter, he has you read one of the Psalms and do some things with that. But it's simple, but it does make you use the material that was in the chapter. So, The Bible Questions, excellent book. Um, President of Outreach Incorporated said, The Bible Questions answers what both Christians and non-Christians are asking about the Bible. I highly recommend it. So, the author, Hal Seed, S-E-E-D, and uh, I like what he's done here. Well, we'll get back to Hal Seed's book in a future podcast and a lot more books that I haven't even touched on yet and also some that we'll go back for a second and a third look. So thanks for being part of this podcast and uh, let's get together again soon.